Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson, former scout, former ESPN analyst for 10 years. Now I have football or WilliamsonFootball.com. I'm at Williamson NFL. Been churning out content left and right, by the way, at WilliamsonFootball.com. Just finished my three-part mock draft. Maybe we'll do that at some point. Maybe over the weekend we'll do a, I'll give you my mock draft that I did. It's kind of fun. Um, no trades, which makes it tough and obviously makes it less accurate. And I'm not trying to be accurate. Just trying to get in the heads of each team. Uh, I finished uh, my Houston Texans State of the State of the Texans address. Um, but I neglected you guys yesterday. And yes, the fish tank in the background needs water. I apologize. I'll fill that up. Put a couple gallons in here when we're done. Quiet that sucker down. Um, so it is Twitter Thursday on a Friday. And maybe we'll get in some other stuff this weekend. Maybe I'll go to the mock from there. Uh, Joshua Silber asks me, where is J.J. Watt on your all-time defensive list, and can Aaron Donald surpass him? Would love some all-time list podcasts this summer. Good call, and uh, yeah, I think I'll get you some of those. Um, guess there's two ways of looking at it. What is Watt from here going forward? That's a great unknown. I mentioned I wrote that up in my Houston Texans piece just now. And that is a big thing I focused on was if Watt's back to being Watt, then the Texans defense might be the best in the league. <laughs> and they, they allowed the most points in the league last year. You know, so and they've done other things, obviously. And Merciless was missed. He's, to me, let's. but I think we have to use past tense. That's my problem here with this conversation. Is, what was that, like a five-year stretch where he was the best defensive player, he was the best player in the league. And during that stretch, pre-injury, I think Watt was basically the best defensive player I've seen since Lawrence Taylor. And when Lawrence Taylor played and I was eight years old, I wasn't exactly doing this for a living or an expert. And I think Reggie White's in that conversation too, without question. And there's so many great ones in between there. I mean, Deion Sanders is so good at what he does. And so many Hall of Famers and Ray Lewis and all these guys. But I think... In the conversation of the best defensive player that ever lived, Watt was absolutely in it. Was, again, was. What's crazy is I think Donald's playing at that same level now. So, yes, he can get in that conversation too. But, whenever you have to take a step back and say, okay, I'm building a list of the best defensive players that ever lived, I can't put J.J. Watt and Aaron Donald over Reggie White or Joe Green. I mean, but their story's not written yet either. You know that if they keep it up, that's the pace they're on. Donald, there's no reason to think he won't keep it up. Maybe he's even going to have his best season yet with Sue next to him. Watt is the great unknown because we haven't seen it. He's been injured. But if he returns to that level which is a level I've pretty much never seen before, then yeah, he's in the conversation with LT and those guys. Zach Moore asked me, what do you see the Chiefs doing with their second and their, their second and two third round picks? I think this one's pretty easy. That I think it's all defense all the time. They need corner help. Another linebacker wouldn't hurt. A nose tackle type. Edge pass rush. Um, yeah, they could use a guard and there's some things on offense that wouldn't, you know, wouldn't turn their nose up at, but I think the easy answer for the chiefs and the short answer for the chiefs is 
just keep grabbing the best defensive player on the board, you know, more or less. I, I mean, that's what they need, an infusion of young talent. Hiram Boyd asked me, what's your most underrated roster going into the draft? Mine's the Washington Redskins. Uh, they wouldn't be my pick. Um, I'd mentioned that I've written up, you know, like 2,000 words on every team in the AFC East, AFC North, and just started the South with Houston. And when you do that and really spend some time digging in, the Bengals kind of come to mind. But I think we had this conversation that the Bengals, especially the offense, but the whole organization, looks like a beautiful house with a bad foundation. You know, I mean, the O-line quarterback, maybe head coach, maybe owner. Um, you know, the electricity's faulty. You know, I mean, burn that beautiful mansion down. But they have a lot of things I like. You guys know I'm a huge Chargers fan in terms, you know, I picked them to win the division last year. I think that's a high quality roster. I think the entire NFC South is very strong. So I would not pick the Redskins. I mean, I think there's some areas of concern there. Mark Harrison then asks, who's your dark horse for next season? For me, I think the Chargers are a good shout. Uh, maybe that means shot. I don't know. But I just mentioned them. I didn't line this up that way. Um, that's a coincidence, but they were my one last year. Actually, the Eagles were one of mine last year, if you recall. I picked them to win the division. I absolutely will pick the Chargers to win their division, and I think that division's pretty good. I think if the Patriots sputter or the Steelers sputter, which is possible, I mean, they have some older guys, and, you know, that maybe that they aren't quite where they were, and is Jacksonville for real? I think, but offensively, I don't know. Um the Chargers and Titans are two teams that I think are contenders. You know, that probably not everyone else agrees with me on that. Bradley Johnson asked me, Do you have any questions over Cook's personality or skill set following the trade? Two high-end coaches have moved on from him pretty quickly. And I think you have to immediately think, well, that is concerning. And there was some rumblings in New Orleans that there was, I don't know, friction. I'm not sure that's the right word. Not doing what he's supposed to, you know, some... Uh, but I really think what the New England situation is, is you see Robinson and especially Watkins get paid and just say, we're not in on that, man. I mean, that, that's too pricey. And go back to what Wednesday's podcast, we really broke this trade down heavily. Um, I just think a, a big thing here is, hey, we have a bunch of receivers. We got Malcolm Mitchell coming back. We can change how we play. We're not going to give you that money. We gave up the 32nd pick overall for you two years ago, and we get the 23rd in return a year later and got a really quality year out of you in the meantime. And we need a lot of things. And we have these all these draft picks now on the first and second day. And we could use a quarterback of the future and a left tackle and a pass rusher and a corner and a linebacker. And we're pretty good at receiver. So we're just going to allocate our resources elsewhere. Um, Bradley Johnson also writes me, looking at what the Rams and Eagles are doing with rookie quarterbacks and their cheap contract situation do you think the Cowboys could have handled their cap a lot better with Dak as their quarterback? They don't seem to be getting maximum value for what they're spending. 
Um, yeah. I mean, their cap situation is really bad right now. And don't quote me on this, but I'm 90% sure much of it is because they're still paying Romo. You know, that they have mortgaged, they, they max their credit cards out a lot, more than most teams. So they're not reaping the benefits, and they are not spenders because they don't have the room. They were one of the few teams that didn't have a lot of room this year. But I think, and I'm not positive, and maybe I'll go back and look this one up, I think some big names, including Romo, come off the books next year. And maybe that's when they can start to reap those benefits of not only having, you know, your, your signal caller being on his rookie contract, and we saw, you know, the Russell Wilson years, and, you know, it's, uh, obviously that's going on right now with the Rams in a big way. That's a massive benefit to have a good quarterback who's in his rookie contract. But he's not even a first-round pick. I mean, he's cheap as rookies go. So you would think that better happen pretty darn soon. And I have some questions of how that organization is run and coached overall. But that is a massive advantage that they are not taking advantage of. You're 100% right, Bradley. Steven Bounds asks, no, ways that, no way the Patriots would usually use a premium draft picks on a quarterback now, right? It seems disrespectful not to try to reload around Brady while they still can. I disagree. I mean, I, well, depends what, let's define premium draft pick. To me, a premium pick is a first or second day pick, basically. I think you're saying, and I'm putting words in your mouth, Stephen, but you're saying if they package picks to go get Rosen at four or something like that. Yeah, I just don't think that's what they do. I mean, I, I'm more with you if that's what you're saying. I think they will draft a quarterback, maybe Mason Rudolph or Lamar Jackson, with one of their late first-round picks or early second. Or Laletta in the second round. I mean, they have shown us, even when Brady was a much younger man, that they're not going to ignore that spot. Garoppolo. I mean, there's been many of them that they've drafted with what I consider premium picks. Brissette. That, and now the, the need's greater than ever. So... With their first five picks, two first, two seconds, one third, and they'll move, of course, and predicting the Patriots is awfully difficult. But it would shock me if one of those five is not a quarterback. But it also would shock me probably even more if they packaged three or four of them to go get Josh Allen or somebody. Like, I don't think that's what's going to happen. Because I do think they're they're playing that game. They're They're riding that fence of, Super Bowl contender, which they absolutely are, slash rebuilder. We need these picks to go help things out. Dirk Hardpeck asks, how did how did much do you value how much value do you place on college accuracy for quarterback? Does your answer change the way you evaluate Josh Allen? Uh yeah, and that's what worries me about Allen. I put a lot of stock on college accuracy. But not accuracy percentage necessarily. You know, I mean, what types of throws are you asked to make? Where is the ball placement on those throws? You know, like Bill Walsh said, this pass, this slant needs to be six inches outside the numbers, you know, in front of the man and numbers. You know, throwing it 10 inches or five inches higher than I want isn't accurate. You know, I, I remember I put a highlight tape together of a quarterback when I was new at Pitt for Walt Harris to watch. He has an extensive quarterback background. He's a really good quarterback guy. And I put on all his good throws, and Coach was like, yeah, I wish he was more accurate. I'm sitting there thinking, 
He completed every throw he put on the tape. I mean, what do you want? And really is ball placement and fitting it in tight windows. I do think that, you know, the bigger picture question here is rarely do guys become more accurate at the at the NFL level. I mean, that's the, that, that more so than other quarterback traits, I think, doesn't get a whole lot better. And I'm again, I'm not talking about accuracy percentage because obviously you're throwing against much different and faster defenses and corners that are smarter and all those things. And college open is not the same as NFL open by any stretch of the imagination. But a guy like Allen that misses guys that are very NFL open worries me a lot. I mean, that worries me quite a bit about him. And to me, that's my biggest concern with the guy is I don't know if he'll ever be accurate. You know, in a way, Cam Newton's that way. You know, like... He's never going to be an accurate quarterback. He's not going to be Drew Brees. Uh, Colonel Angus asks, Why is there not enough serious consideration about the Steelers taking Gasecki at 28? A um, couple things. My hunch is you're a Steelers slash Penn State fan. A lot of them around here and even in Western PA. Um, first off... I just think there's much greater needs. Linebackers, safety, maybe a quarterback of the future, a couple other spots. Um, the other thing is I have very high hopes, and I think they do too, and it's not like they told me, but what I've seen, what I've seen on the practice field, the way he moves, the Steelers went and traded for him. Vance McDonald, you know, like if you're in a deep dynasty league, Grab Vance McDonald. I think Vance McDonald is due for a big year. Health was a problem. Drops are a problem for him. But I think they have their tight end right now. And uh, Gusecki's fine. He's highly athletic. Doesn't block a soul. And nobody would turn their nose up at him. And I think he will go about that range, you know, 20 to 40 neighborhood. But I don't think he'll be a Steeler, nor should he. I mean, uh, there would be a lot of other directions I would go before that. All right. Fun little show here. Always Twitter Thursdays are fun. I urge you and would really appreciate it if you would check out WilliamsonFootball.com. I am absolutely making it worth your time and money. Check that out. Spread the word about this podcast and the entire Locked On Network. And have a wonderful weekend. See ya.